podcast of the Leeds Centre for Dante Studies. Key moments of the Commedia number three. Inferno, Canto 3, lines 1 to 9. I'm Claire Honus, and in this podcast I'm going to be talking about the first nine lines of Inferno 3, lines which are probably among the best known of the whole Commedia. These lines reproduce the inscription which Dante Pilgrim reads above the gate of hell, and line 9 at least is so well known as to have become almost a cliché. I'll read them first in Italian and then in Robert and Jean Hollander's English translation. Per me si va nella città dolente, per me si va nell'eterno dolore, per me si va tra la perduta gente. Giustizia mossa il mio alto fattore, fecemi la divina podestate, la somma sapienza e il primo amore. Dinanzi a me non fuor cose create se non eterne, e io eterno duro. Lasciate ogni speranza voi entrate. Through me the way to the city of woe, through me the way to eternal pain, through me the way among the lost. Justice moved my maker on high, divine power made me, wisdom supreme and primal love. Before me nothing was but things eternal, and I endure eternally. Abandon all hope, you who enter here. These lines are, as I've said, so well known and so much analysed that they've lost to some extent their power to surprise us. We all know from the thousands of uses and misuses of the quotation that Hell's Gate instructs those who enter to abandon all hope. But in fact, within Dante's text, this inscription is quite unexpected. The first line of the canto is also the first line of the inscription, So someone reading Dante's text, or maybe hearing it read aloud, without the benefit of explanatory notes, would not necessarily realise that this was an inscription at all until lines 10 to 11, when we have the explanation, queste parole di colore oscuro vidio scritte al sommo d'una porta, these words, dark in hue, I saw inscribed over an archway. And what's more, images of the gate of hell are so much part of our popular conception of hell, that we rarely, if ever, stop to ask ourselves what exactly a gate is doing here in the middle of what, until now, has only been described as a dark wood, una selva oscura. At the end of the previous canto, we've seen Virgil and his slightly nervous protégé setting out on the Camino Alto e Silvestro, the deep and savage way, that will lead them through hell. The appearance of this gate, with its inscription, is then unexpected. And like many things that we were witnessing in hell, It is both familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. In the Middle Ages, the city-states of central and northern Italy would all have been protected by a circle of walls, which acted as a line of defence against attack from outside, but which also had a very significant symbolic meaning, separating the city off from the surrounding countryside and marking it out as a different sort of space, a civilised space, inhabited by human beings, political animals. It's important to remember that the Middle Ages did not idealise the countryside in the way that we often tend to in the urbanised world of the 21st century. This is how the historian Vito Fumagalli describes the landscape of medieval Italy, outside of the pockets of civilization found inside the city walls. He says, we need to picture a countryside that was in large part semi-wild. Northern Italy was covered by forest and marsh, which drastically impeded the development of agriculture. To the south of the Po Plain, in the northern Apennines, great forests of oak, 
beach and firs had sprung up. The Bassa, the low-lying area between the Via Emilia and the Po, was characterised by dense forest and interminable marsh, particularly as one approached the river. To the north, in Lombardy and the Veneto, the Po Valley was even more marshy. Outside the cities, then, there was no idyllic countryside, but an often savage and inhospitable wilderness. Entering a city through one of these gates in its walls was therefore something like stepping into a magic circle, a protected space. Dante's gate in Inferno 3 reminds us of these reassuring gates. Like them, it seems to differentiate the space which Virgil and the pilgrim are about to enter from the wilderness, the Selva Oscura, outside. And like them, it carries an inscription, although the inscriptions on medieval gates tended to praise the city which the traveller was entering, rather than issuing a dire warning to abandon all hope, like the inscription over Dante's gate. And of course, once inside the gate, we soon realise that the pilgrim is in a place which is far from safe and civilised. This much is clear just from the sounds which the pilgrim hears as soon as he steps through the gate, which are described in lines 22 to 30 of the canto. Quivi sospiri pianti e alti guai risonavan per l'aere senza stelle, per chio al cominciar ne lagrimai, diverse lingue orribili favelle, parole di dolore, accenti d'ira, voci alte e fioche e suon di manconelle. Now sighs, loud wailing, lamentation resounded through the starless air, so that I too began to weep. Unfamiliar tongues, horrendous accents, words of suffering, cries of rage, voices loud and faint, the sound of slapping hands. These are not sounds which evoke a civilised urban world where citizens live together in peace and harmony. In fact, although Dante's Gate tells us in line one of the canto that it leads into a city, Per me si va nella città dolente. This city of woe is nothing more than a mirage. Within the gate of hell, just as much as outside of it, we find nothing that resembles a city at all, but instead a whole series of different types of wilderness. First the river Acheron, and then the storms, mud and marshes that characterise the circles of incontinence. What the first line of this canto tells us more than anything else is that nothing in Dante's hell is as it seems. All those things which on earth carry a positive value, like the city, which stands for safety, community and civilization, will be reversed or inverted, like a photographic negative, so that their value becomes the exact opposite of what we expect. This città dolente, therefore, leads not to safety, but to eterno dolore, and contains not a civilized community of citizens, but a perduta gente. And yet, this inscription is not totally negative. The second tetzina of the canto contains words which we might not expect to hear in hell. We're told that hell was created not only by God's justice and power, but also by his wisdom and love. The three qualities mentioned in lines 5 and 6, power, wisdom and love, are those traditionally associated with the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, respectively. On one level, then, these lines are just telling us that hell was created by God. But they also tell us more than that. We might have expected hell to be a place of vengeance and judgment. But in fact, Dante's at pains to stress that the creator of this wilderness city is both just and loving. Indeed, punishment is not imposed on the perduta gente which populates the city, but they themselves choose their punishment as we see later in lines 124 to 126 of the canto, 
where Virgil explains that pronti sono a trapassarlo rio, che la divina giustizia li sprona, si che la tema si volve in disio. They're eager to cross the river, for the justice of God so spurs them on, their very fear is turned to desire. As we'll find out much later in a very important passage of the Purgatorio, all sinful behaviour ultimately derives from a misuse of the gift of free will, the freedom to choose our own actions, to decide for ourselves how to live our lives, which God has given to human beings. These souls, whom the pilgrim sees jostling to cross the Acheron, have chosen bad behaviour rather than good, sin rather than virtue. They've misused the gift which God had given them, ignoring his love and not letting themselves be guided by his wisdom. God has not sent these souls to hell. They have brought themselves there of their own volition, thanks to the bad choices they made in life. And in entering hell, they leave behind all hope, ogni esperanza. This too is important, because again, as we will see strikingly illustrated in purgatory, this hope, the hope of salvation, is present in all human beings right up until their very last dying breath. In purgatory, we will see souls who have turned to God at the very moment of their death, and who, because of this brief moment of repentance, will eventually be saved. But the souls who choose to enter hell, that is, who do not choose to turn to God, must, as they enter, give up this hope. Hell is, as lines 7 to 8 tell us, eternal. There's no escape, no past or future, and above all, no hope. This situation will be summed up by Virgil in a very famous line from the next canto, Canto 4, when he says of his own fate and that of the other souls in limbo, that sansa speme vivemo in disio, without hope we live in longing. It should be clear then that this inscription in a very few lines hints at many of the key themes to come in Dante's poem. As the pilgrim crosses the threshold of hell, he's reminded, yes, of the horrors to come, but also of the justice, wisdom and love that inform God's treatment of human souls after death. And most importantly of all, he's reminded that he as a living man, must hold on to that thin thread of hope which Virgil had rekindled in him in Canto Two with his mention of Beatrice, so that, proceeding on his journey in desire, but also in hope, he will be able eventually to see God. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Leeds Centre for Dante Studies. If you'd like to find out more about the centre and its activities, please visit www.leeds.ac.uk slash Italian.